Welcome to the Community for Coaches podcast, where we explore how to intentionally and effectively use sports to transform lives. I am your host, Alec Lennon, and today I have Ryan Kraskowski, our CFC founder, co-hosting this special episode. Ryan, why don't you start us off by sharing some of the highlights uh, we have to look forward to on the podcast today? Yeah, so our interview with Coach Brian Mowry was, uh, it really was fantastic. We recorded it last night, and the things that Coach Mowry had to say about his, his purpose statement, you know, that's obviously one of, the, uh, one of the recurring themes and one of the uh, ideas that we hang our hat on around here at CFC is the idea of purpose. Uh, and and the, the process that Brian went through to develop and now live out his purpose statement, uh, it's story worth hearing. Uh, the other things that he talked about really that, re- that really hit me and I thought could provide some significant value for listeners uh, were the things that Brian had to say about being an effective assistant coach, just how to deal with different situations, how to get along with a head coach, how to, how to navigate the sometimes uh, tricky waters between, you know, players and families and the head coach and you know, how to agree and disagree and, and, and yet be loyal and supportive and, and all of those things. Uh, I thought he had some really, really good insight there. Yeah, totally agree. It's, it's really some pure gold um, that comes up. So what I really like, it, actually, what I like about all of these interviews is I just love hearing people's stories, you know, kind of what shaped them and how their, you know, their dad or their mom influenced them as, um, in their sports journey or how different coaches impacted them. So we get to hear a little bit of that too. So a lot of great stuff. Um, I think you're all going to really enjoy it. So let's get to it. All right. I am here with Brian Mowry and I also have Ryan Kraskowski. Ryan's jumping on the podcast this week, our community for coaches founder to co-host this, um, special episode with Brian. So how are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Good. I, I'm uh, noticing how you're spending, you're being, you're being very articulate in distinguishing between Brian and Ryan. It'll be a challenge for you today. I know. I'm going to get it mixed up. So It's a story uh, of my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. actually, you guys, you guys go kind of far back, don't you? Um, I was thinking maybe, Brian, you could talk about how you – first got connected kind of with with Ryan and with CFC back in the day yeah th- this is interesting I, I was trying to think of the uh actually what year we were doing this Ryan and I couldn't I actually can't remember uh but it's been a while so so the story goes is that I was coaching freshman boys basketball at Olathe I'm uh, sorry at Olathe geez at Blue Valley High School and my brother-in-law was the uh, fairly newly hired uh, athletic director there and had somehow gotten in contact with, with Ryan. And they wanted to start, I think, kind of the, like a prototype for, for these coaches groups, the, for these coaching statements and stuff like that. So we started gathering shoots. I don't know. Was it 10 years ago, Ryan? I don't remember. So, yeah, I'm going to fact check you just a little bit because when we, when we first started doing this, Matt was not yet the AD. Um, Matt was the head baseball coach. Um, and teaching math. And we started doing the coaching life groups at Blue Valley High with people like Katie and Snell and Scott Kreschel and, uh, and Steve Rampy was a part of that group. Um, yeah, we, dragged yeah. him in, we dragged him into that kicking and screaming. And no, just kidding. He was glad to be a part of it. Um, yeah. Ashley Miller was a part of that deal for a while. Um, uh-huh. 
So yeah, we're going back to 08. I think it was my oh, first man. year here. I moved here in the, in the summer of 08 and we started these prototype coaching life groups that fall. And so, yeah, that's when, that's when Brian and I first got together and started talking about coaching with purpose. Um, wow. It's funny, Alec and I were talking a little bit earlier today. Uh, we were doing a coaching life group together 11 years ago before we had even invented the term coaching life group. So, you know, a little <laughs> bit of history there. 11 years is nuts, man. I would not have guessed that much. That's how you know you're old, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. Jeez, man. <laughs> well, um, Brian, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, how you got into coaching? Maybe a little bit about your first coaching experience, hmm. kind of how that happened. Uh, it, it's coaching is just in my genes. My dad has been a basketball coach. He's just turned 71 last week, and he's coached every winter since 1973. So uh, he. I was, I was born always in a gym. I was always at summer camps. I was always at basketball practices. And so it just kind of, I kind of ran away from it. But once I got it back into schools, it kind of pulled me back in first as a tennis coach. And then finally back to my, uh, back to my, uh, what I'm most comfortable with with basketball. So um, it just felt like it was a part of, it was definitely a part of my formation as a kid. So uh, yeah. That's awesome. So You've had a ton of experience, you know, with sports, with coaching, all these different things. So kind of taking a little bit of a step back, like from your experience, why do you think sports matter? Um, what what I have found in my experience uh, is that sports is where I feel like I can really discover who kids are. Uh, being with them in a classroom all day and then seeing them on the court or on the track after school, kids just kind of it's just kind of come alive. I feel like there's a level of control that they put on themselves all throughout the day. And when sports are there, they love it. They're active. They, they drop that facade. And so it's fun to see kids be who they really are. Cause it's something they get to choose to do. They're told they have to go to school, but they, they can choose to do. So it belongs to them rather than something being placed upon them. And so because it's what they choose to do, I think they, are more offering up of who their true selves are. And so it's, it's a chance for independence and it's a chance for them to really kind of show who they really are. Yeah. I, wow. That's, that's excellent. I totally agree. Um, and I think like realizing that, that it's a unique space, it's unlike most other spaces for kids mm -hmm. is huge. When coaches realize that, that, this is this is a space where you really can discover who kids are if you're being if you're aware of that. So that's awesome, Ryan. You, you got definitely. That? Well, yeah, and you know it's one of the things we talk about within CFC. And listen, you know, sports is uh, it's certainly not unique in the in the in the way that you know kids come alive and really take an interest. I mean, there are there are other types of activities that that kids can get involved with that are elective in nature uh, or elective by nature, but you know, when we're talking about where do we, there, there's nothing that has a higher level of uh, participation where we see more kids, mm -hmm. um, you know, choosing to participate, choosing to be a part of these teams and be coached um, than, than we do in, in sports and athletics. So if you're looking at sheer numbers and it's not just all about numbers, but if you are just looking at numbers, there's, there's mm -hmm. no greater place in our, in our society to have an impact on a, on a larger number of people. And then, you know, that doesn't even take into account, you know, the type of impact you can have. And, the, you know, Brian spoke to it really well, you know, the, just the nature of sport and the, the things that it brings out of young people. Um, 
you know, when you, when you combine those two factors, what sports are and what they're about and the number of people that are involved, the potential for impact is virtually limitless. So it's, that's, mm-hmm. it's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, Brian, what do you think, like thinking back through kind of your history is more as a player, hmm. what was a significant moment maybe you had with, with a coach or someone else that impacted you that kind of has helped shaped who you are now as a coach? Uh, it's interesting because when I look back upon, cause by the time I was in high school, I was only playing basketball and it, it almost feels like a montage, like an eighties, you know, karate kid type of montage <laughs> of, of, of sports experience. Yeah. But I, I was very fortunate my senior year to be a part of a team that won a state championship in basketball. And I kind of remember that culminating event um, of being with these kids I've been playing with since seventh grade and being with coaches who had been in my life since, you know, since ninth grade. And so kind of the, the significance of that was this idea of, of this journey that was completed with people. And it was, it was dirty sometimes. And it was, it was awesome sometimes. And it was hard sometimes, but like that, the, the feeling of accomplishing something with people, it, it just, it kind of stuck with me. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, can then be transferred to almost anything else you're doing in life. Something that's kind of undervalued is, um, that those those experiences don't happen by luck. A coach mm. has to kind of help create and facilitate that type of journey. Um, and I think we, as players, sometimes take for, for granted, like the amount of work that the coaches put into to try to create a great experience for us that, that helps shape our character, that helps shape team culture. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say, like kind of, you know, what, what did the coaches do that maybe helped facilitate that? Um, what was, what was really interesting about that was this, the, the group that we won state with was, uh, we had eight seniors on that team, which basketball wise is a ton to have on a team. And for, for seven of us, we'd been playing together since seventh grade. Um, and so our, our coaches, it was really interesting to see the balance they had, especially when we were younger as sophomores to, to give more guidance. But by the time we were senior year, they gave us a ton of autonomy because we had earned the right for that. We had spent the time together. We had built, we had built that. And so like the trust that they put in us was kind of, it was very, it it was meaningful. And it it was not, I mean, we, we saw that and we kind of, it added to even more buy-in and ownership to, to that senior year. It's a, it's a weird thing. Like I think back upon that and people ask me like, what did you, what did you play? What, what kind of sets were you running? What defense were you running? And, I, I really don't remember many things being called from the sideline that year. It really was just us on the court. And it wasn't like that our 10th grade year, but, but it was more kudos to our, to our three coaches who were dealing with us then to kind of realize what they, and the, the formation, the formative experiences they had given us to then kind of let it be ours, our senior year. Ryan, do you want to add anything? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm listening to that. I'm getting chills over here. Um, thinking about, that idea of, of giving players freedom and autonomy. And, and obviously in, in the scenario Brian described, it was, it was in their senior year when that all kind of came together and culminated with the championship run and all that, which is, that's a really, really cool experience. Obviously. Um, I think that that type of idea can be uh, implemented in small ways Hmm. throughout an athlete's experience. I mean, I'm just on a very, you know, micro level. uh, I'm thinking about, you know, a, a practice I had with our sixth grade football team and we're nearing the end of the season and I've got kids suggesting plays. Hey, what if we did this? What if we did this? And I'm listening to them and I'm thinking, 
you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's mm-hmm. give that a shot. Now, in the second week of the season, mm-hmm. I would say, you know what? Let's just get really good at doing the basics. But at this point in the year, I'm thinking, you know, that A, isn't a bad idea. And B, if it's going to keep these kids interested and motivated as we're looking to finish up this season, then sure, why not? They've, they've earned the right to speak into this process. Mm. And so that's a, you know, that's a sixth grade, 11-year-old boy example of what Brian's talking about with high school seniors. But that whole idea of coaches being able to be okay with relinquishing some of that control and trusting players you know, with the team uh, taking their own egos out of the way so that they can allow those players to, you know, to be creative and to think and to flourish and to, um, you know, to, to see their buy-in just, you know, mm. grow, uh, you know, go to uh, higher levels because of the, the, the trust and the, and the opportunities to speak into it that the coaches have given them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's where I'm going there. That's what I'm thinking as I'm listening to Brian yeah. talk. It's fun stuff. I think, that's the thing you have to weigh sometimes is um, you have to basically, are you willing to risk losing a game so that the kids could really take more ownership and learn? Um, and I think if you really look at the long term, the benefits of them taking ownership and learning is, is worth it. As Brian, you kind of have, are a testimony to that with how well you guys did um, as seniors, you know, but mm-hmm. it's probably yeah. little by little, you give kids little by little. And by the time they're, you know, couple of years in they're they're ready to take the reins so it's good mm-hmm. stuff um do you have a, a specific coach you'd like to talk about that that's impacted you maybe in just you know it, i mean it's it's interesting there's yeah there's two i mean obviously for most i'd say for most kids their first coach is probably going to be a parent even if it's just tossing a ball to him or being on the driveway with him but my dad was actually my only basketball coach up until my seventh grade year um, and what was most interesting about that was the significance of this was watching him coach other kids. Um, and so it was, it was, it was interesting huh. to see my dad in that situation to see how he treated other people and to see how he worked with other kids and then to see him like working with me as a kid. He, I mean, he, every, he would always say that every kid has a story and we only get to see a small part of that and we get to speak truth and, and, and gentleness and, small part of that kid and so it was interesting being able to watch him do that both with me and then my younger brother when I was older not he was not coaching me I got to watch him do that with another group of kids and it's interesting to see the way that that plays out in their lives um so and yeah so that's the first one the second coach I I had a high school coach who was my sophomore coach and he was also JV and varsity assistant by the time I was playing junior varsity and and varsity and it's coach Frank Bell he's actually administrator in the Olathe district and he he's a pretty darn good uh, uh basketball official actually i'm always happy when i see him on one of our games um but what struck me with him was he was a uh, he he was somebody who really i mean he taught me a little bit about basketball but a ton about how to be a leader on a court um and the, and basically the, the amount of trust he gave to in showed in me and gave me by empowering me as a leader to make decisions for our team it was that that sort of thing is it, it honestly just set me off on the path that I have today with the leadership positions I'm in now and how to be a good leader and how to not and how also to be a good follower. So uh, and I, there's multiple other ones as well. But those are the two that jump out with me right now. Yeah. And you, it is interesting you say it because, I mean, you, you are kind of um, even outside of the 
the coaching world in the teaching world you you play a leadership role at at blue valley and and a lot of places um how much do you think kind of your coaches and the experiences you had through sports have kind of led you towards being a leader and outside of sports it's 100 percent it is is, it had a direct influence it it really did but again because i was very fortunate to have coaches who now I have the verbiage to discuss. They, they were transformational coaches. I didn't know that at the time, but yeah. I was very fortunate to not have, have hardly any, what I would consider, you know, what Ehrman would call transactional coaches. Right. Right. That's awesome. Um, so you've kind of, we, we talked a little bit before this podcast about how you've played a unique role as an assistant coach multiple times. Mm-hmm. And you really enjoy that role. And so I was thinking it'd be great for you to kind of speak to, you know, coaches who could be listening, who are either thinking about being a head coach or being an assistant, or maybe they're just trying to get started and they want to be a good assistant mm. coach. What's that look like? What do you, what are your thoughts? What are your advices for them to um, do well in that role? Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I think coach K says that he likes to choose his assistants based on how much ambition they have to be a head coach later on. And it's funny because I, I have no desire to ever be in charge of a program or anything like that. My, my coach got the flu two years ago and I had to coach a varsity game and it was horrible. It was the most terrifying experience of my life. Uh, I realized that's not me. Um, what, what I, what I enjoy about it, what I've really found to be really rewarding about being an assistant coach's perspective is I feel like as a head coach, there's so many stresses and you have so many things coming at you from so many angles the challenge of having being a good assistant coach allows you to to always give perspective to a coach to to listen mm-hmm. and then to say well okay but you know what what are we what are we really doing here to remind the coach like to remind my head of what is our purpose here what is your purpose you you know i really enjoy that i really enjoy that um that challenge of like my prior i think is to support my head coach and then the program with that. Um, and so it's been, it's, it's been really, it's been fun to look at it from that way. And the, the depth of relationship that's been able to come between me and, and my head coach has been challenging, but also extremely rewarding. Yeah. What's interesting about what you're saying is, and I'm just thinking about this as you're talking, the, the, head, the head coach really doesn't have very many, quote, friends. Uh, yes. Not anybody yes. to really be transparent with because the the parents, you know, can be mm-hmm. supportive, but they have an angle with their with their kid, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the players, well, yeah, you want to give them leadership roles. You want to make them part of it. But ultimately, like you can't you can't open everything up to the players and, and involve yes. every decision. And you you can't really sometimes it's good to be vulnerable and maybe admit you made a mistake, but you still have to kind of be like, Hey, I have a plan and I know what I'm doing and you want them to, to believe in you as a coach and trust you. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's not always appropriate to be totally vulnerable. So that, that assistant role, you're right. That can be really strategic. If that assistant is filling that friend role for the head coach, that's, that's really important. Um, mm-hmm. Give an example of like how um, mm-hmm. you filled that role of the friend to the head coach and, and what that was. Mm. What, so it's it, yes, definitely. Um, I mean, being so, I mean, we we play in the EKL, and EKL is is just brutal. 
basketball, football, baseball. There's so much talent, and the coaching, yeah. uh, the coaches are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it is it's really a grinder. It, it's really hard to be successful yeah. uh, for wins yeah. and losses in EKL. So, so, for people mm-hmm. who might be from another area, can you explain what EKL is? Uh, so EKL in we're, Johnson County, Kansas, we have the Eastern Kansas. There's two major leagues in Johnson County. We have the Sunfire League and then the East Kansas League. Um, the East Kansas League has five Blue Valley schools, Bishop Miege, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, and St. James Academy, the three Catholic schools. Yeah. And it's just, there's a lot of talent that rolls <laughs> yeah. eight of these schools. Yeah. And so what, I mean, so there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of pressure that my head puts on himself to do well, to, to be successful. And so what that has allowed us to do is, is the idea of, of, of sitting and um, reflecting after games, both wins and losses has allowed this depth of relationship where of, you know, of being able to ask a question, I, I, just the other night I was talking with my head and asking him the question of, you know, you seem really upset about this kid and the decisions he's making, but is everything okay going at, is everything going okay at home? Cause it seems like there's something going on beyond this. So, I mean, we, we've been together seven years now and to have the intimacy, to be able to ask about the family aspects, to talk about, you know, how the relationship is with the wife. It's, it's been like, I'm not going to get specifics on that, but, <laughs> but being able to, to do that, to spend time together on road trips and sit and want to be around each other and know what's going on with the family and the, and those, their stories has been, it's been very, it, it's very rewarding. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely. I can, I, see, I can see like the head coach being really down about a loss. And if an assistant mm-hmm. Up in there and be like, well, let's just break down for a minute. Like, what actually happened? You know, mm-hmm. like, did they just have like this one player we couldn't shut down that caused problems, causes problems, and we just need to fix that next time? Or did so and so? Did we run the wrong zone? Or you know, whatever it is. Like, and then it kind of it kind of softens or changes the tone of the conversation, and you're not just caught in this cycle of anger and frustration mm-hmm. about the game. You're just able to be like, okay, let's talk through it. <laughs> you know, and I think yeah, that's exactly hard to do on your own. I think it's very hard. Mm-hmm if you're by yourself. So mm-hmm. Brian, you got anything else you want to add to that? An assistant coach is great. Um, <laughs> it really is. I, I, I love that role. I haven't been in that role um, in quite a while, but you know, obviously most people when they're getting started are, especially in, the, in, in a school sports setting are going to be an assistant coach. And I think it is, <laughs> if you have two things, if you've got a head coach who is um, a high quality mentor and also a head coach who is humble enough to listen, um, Mm. that's a great combination. You know, we talked earlier about, you know, leadership opportunities outside of sports, you know, all the things that, that uh, you know, people like Brian are doing, you know, within, within their schools and their, their teaching departments and their churches and things like that. And, you know, he was able to make the correlation between leadership roles he was in as an athlete uh, with these, you know, leadership opportunities that he's got, you know, in other aspects of his life. I think that, you know, the best leaders are people that can be the best followers and being an assistant coach is, Mm -hmm. is a great place to not only learn those types of skills um, learn, you know, but to develop and hone and, and really begin to, you know, Brian used the word perspective also. I think that is, that's such an important word um, because it's easy for the assistant coach to feel, you know, you see these 
you know, examples and, you know, well, gosh, I just, I just want to be in charge. I want to, I want to run the show. Well, careful what you wish for, because (laughs) there's, Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot to be said for, you know, being part of a staff and, 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 um, you know, having the opportunity to be in that, that supportive role. Um, And so to an assistant coach who aspires to be a head coach, I'd say that's great. Good for you. Mm -hmm. But be great where you are right now. Don't always be looking for the next thing or think the grass is greener. Um, You know, if those opportunities come, if and when those opportunities come, that's great. Um, And if you feel called to that, then by all means, go for it. But at the same time, don't kid yourself into thinking, well, I'm an assistant coach now, but when I'm the head coach, everything's going to be everything's going to be perfect because I'm here to tell you it's, it's just Mm. not, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, a discontented assistant coach will most likely be an unhappy head coach. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Like you, you have to a lot, you have to learn to kind of do well where you are before you kind of get the next opportunity. Yeah. I think that's important find a way to be successful because you have to be so creative as a head coach to solve problems have a good attitude and find ways to make things work. So, yeah. yeah. And, and a head coach is going to need a, a great staff around him or her. And so while you're in that assistance role, be that great staff um, that provides mm-hmm. the type of support that the head coach needs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brian, can you, mm-hmm. so you went through our um, kind of process of developing a purpose statement. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, could you share that kind of, with with us and also talk about how that's played out over over the years mm. so i think i and i don't remember the the exact uh uh structure like sentence structure that you guys encourage um so i'm going to read you what what i have created over the last couple of years um and you can judge me yeah. accordingly oh. um so <laughs> i i wrote mine from from what i'm so here it is okay i will be a coach that Number one is honest with my players, coaches, and parents. Number two values the formation of the whole person over the finished product. And number three, always strives to be joyful and thankful in all of our circumstances. Wow. That's huge. Can you say that one more time? Mm -hmm. I will be a coach that is honest with my players, coaches, and parents that values the formation of a player over the finished product and always strives to be joyful and thankful in all circumstances. Nice. Yeah, that's great. So I've, I know your big things are like honesty and values formation. Like, so that's mm-hmm. kind of your process. Um, mm-hmm. And then your attitude, um, being joyful and thankful. That's and and so talk the one, that. yeah, the one, the one that the, the biggest, <laughs> it seems strange. But the most important aspect that I found recently is this honesty part. Um, Early on in my coaching career, I was trying to save my kids' feelings um, by not giving them honest feedback and honest criticism. Uh, And I realized very quickly that that was – essentially it was lying to my players. Mm -hmm. uh, And that was not fair or good to do that. And so the idea – and I've never had a kid that responded poorly – to me being very honest about like about their performance and what's going on. Um, but it's still hard to do because you just got those yeah. kids and they're looking at you and you know, whatever. Yeah. But, but more importantly with, with my head coach, it, it is so easy to become a yes man in an assistant role. And that is not what head coaches need at all. If, 
if you have five people on your staff and everyone agrees, then four of those people don't matter. Right. You, you yeah. need, you need to have somebody who's willing to be honest with coaches. And quite frankly, for me, it's, it's a lot of times challenging my head coach to, to, to say, are, are your actions in line with what you say your reason for coaching is? Oh. And, I've, and I've built the relationship with my head to be able to do that, but that's never a comfortable thing to do. Um, but I'm very fortunate to where my, my head, because of our relationship, is all he always responds well to that as well. But that honesty piece, it's it's never easy. It, it's not fun to really be honest in these situations, but it's super important. Yeah, I think I think something that I've found is I struggle to be honest because really I'm thinking about myself. Mm. I want them to, and I don't want the parents to be upset. That's yeah. really why I'm struggling to be honest and when I can kind of recognize that and be like, but what's actually the best thing that needs to happen here is I need to communicate what's really going on and let this kid in on sort of reality. So he has a chance to actually adjust. Mm. You make improvements. Right. And that's the part of formation, right? If we really are interested and focused and, you know, involved in the formation of our players, we, you have, you have to be honest with them. You just have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like they're flying blind if you don't be honest. Yeah. Well, and in order to be honest with these, uh, in order to be honest with the players, you actually have to be (laughs) attentive enough to understand what the reality is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I have to be, I can't just give a kid feedback if I don't actually know what the feedback that I, you know, that I should be giving, you know, you know what, what it is. Um, Mm -hmm if a kid says, well, what do I need to improve upon in order to, to play more or to make the team? Yeah. I better be paying attention or I don't have a good answer to yeah. that question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and, and sometimes the answer might not be, might not be great. It might just be, you know what, you need to become a better athlete. Um, yeah. You know, we need you to be able to, to run faster and jump higher in order to, to, to get more minutes or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I can at least speak that truth. And, and, you know, the other part of that, that, probably doesn't need to be said, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway, is when we're speaking that truth, of course, we're going to speak the truth in love. Um, You know, we're not going to be a jerk about the things that we're saying to the kid, but we are going to be, you know, to, so to be able to find that, that way. And, and, and I know Brian is really effective in this regard to be able to say those things that might be hard truths, but to communicate them with, you know, with, with empathy, kindness, gentleness, um, and yet, Mm. and, and yet honesty, um, you know, so the kid can understand that, okay, I am valued. I am cared for. I am loved. And I'm loved enough that these people are willing to tell me the truth, even Mm. though I might not like it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes I've in the past when kids have asked me that question, Hey coach, what do I need to do to play more of this? I would just make something up. Um, And that wasn't very, (laughs) you know, and it's better to just say, you know what? I give me some time to think about it. And um, let's let's talk again next week. And then what do I do for the next couple of days? I really focus on that kid because I because that's a great opportunity because that. Kid, yeah, I really want to improve. How do I do it? Mm-hmm. That's not I don't want to just throw an answer out there. It's like, give me actually a little bit of time to think about it. And probably if I spend the week watching him a little closer or her a little closer, I actually could give really good advice. Um mm-hmm. You know, if you put a little bit of time and focus into it, you really can probably come up with some really good things. Um, I don't want to just kind of, you know, 
whatever's off the top of my head is probably not going to be the best. I've got to find a way to do a different process. Mm -hmm. It's a little better info. Yeah. Um, Brian, talk a little more about uh, your purpose statement. What other things have been important there as you've tried to execute on that? Um, what's, what's interesting about, well, let's see here. I mean, uh, the challenge is, has really been with the honesty part and has been easier for me, but I think as an assistant coach, you, it, it's easier to, to focus on that and to not worry as much about the W's and the L's because no one's ever really looking at me. You know, everyone always loves the assistant coach because the parents think, well, you know, the assistant really likes my kid. It's the head coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, it's, it's, there's very little pressure on that. And so it's always important for me. It's always important to remember that I, it's easy for me to say, well, let's not worry about that, but it's not, I'm not worrying about that. The pressure's on my head. And so to, to also give grace to him in that situation has been really it's been a challenge, but it's also been and been good. And and honestly, he's been honest with me sometimes to say, dude, you just got to listen to me gripe right now. You can't do this whole <laughs> thing right now. And, yeah. and that's good. I respect that, that we have a relationship where that can happen. But again, that relationship, relationship's been built over seven years of, you know, it, it doesn't happen right away, especially if you're just meeting somebody or just getting hired on in an assistant role. It takes a while to get into that. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. <laughs> What, what would you say is maybe like a quick tip for how to not undercut your head maybe accidentally and, and maybe Ooh. like or a tip to, to be supportive in a, in a conflict situation. I know I'm that, throwing this, that's, that's, no, <laughs> that, that's a great question. I see there's two situations where that comes up, right? When you're talking to kids and when you're talking to parents um, with, with kids, like, like if a player is complaining about coach or, or something like that, uh, I, I will always redirect it and say, well, hold on. First of all, little Jimmy, know that me and me and coach, you know, me and coach Williams, my head, that we, we talk about everything. Okay. We're, I'm not going to hide anything from here. So when you're talking to me, just know what you're saying to me is going to get back to coach because we share everything in this. And, and the kids know that that's already been established. Yeah. So that kind of nips, nips any of that in the bud. Now parents is a different thing because parents, a ton of time. I, I cannot tell you how many times parents have approached me to complain about my head. Like I'm, I'm their ally against my right. head coach. I, I don't know why they would think this. Um, <laughs> it, but so my, I, I've now gotten to the point with honesty with them to say, listen, I need to stop you right now. I, I am completely in agreement with, with coach Williams. We are, we are of the same mind. Listen to you here, but just know that, that me and me and him, we are, you know, we're, we're on the same mind here. And I, I put that out very quickly and very, in fact, I interrupt parents when they say that. I, I think even if you don't agree with your coach, those things need to be dealt with within the coach's office. You, you cannot be publicly giving any, any inkling or hint of disagreement with, with your head. Yeah. That, that have to, to present the United with, front. Yes, 100%. And then, and there's been times where I've, where I've, done that where, where I've stood in unity with him, even though I was disagreeing with something he was doing, but we figure that stuff out on our own. We're not, we're not airing that laundry in public. That That's the easiest way to damage a relationship almost irreparably. Yeah. It's good advice. Very good advice. Um, I'm going to, we're kind of running a little bit on time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's jump. We're having great conversation. I love it. What, what would be, um, Let's see here. 
Do you have any books that you recommend reading? Oh, um, yes, there, there's three. When I was thinking about this, and, and one, uh, you're going to feel like I'm, I'm totally uh, – uh, but the biggest book that has affected me and, and changed me, transformed me in coaching was Joe Ehrman's uh, book, uh, Inside Out Coaching. It, it, it really is phenomenal. It just – it shifted the way that I – it put words to what I wanted to be. And I don't know if I had had those words in that direction and reading that with other coaches, if I would have been so devoted to trying to, to be a transformational coach. So Ehrman's Inside Out Coaching was huge. Uh, there's a book called Uncommon that Tony Dungy wrote, which I use a lot with our players. Just the mm-hmm. idea that what we're doing here, it is a vehicle. The sports are a vehicle to something greater. And that is, we want you to be uncommon people. We want you to, and so that keep helping me with perspective there. And then the last one, this one's probably a little bit weird. Um, it's a book called Drive, written by a guy named Daniel Pink, which has nothing to do with coaching. Uh, but it's about, it's, it's about motivation. It's, it's a book examining how motivation, like the science behind motivation. And it, it just, it's changed everything I do in the classroom. And it's really challenged what we do in the court and in the locker room with trying to motivate kids um so that's drive by daniel pink that one by reading that one awesome sounds great so last question we like to ask is what what do you think separates a transformational coach from other coaches Hmm. uh for me it's really simple when my players know that that i love them and i care about them even after they played for me or after they've been cut or after they've retired from the sport, that's what separates a transformational coach from other coaches. Wow. There you have it. Well said. Oh, thanks. Very good. Well, it was awesome having you on here. There's some, I think some real gold on here. So I hope coaches um, maybe listen to this more than once. I think there's a lot in here. So, we loved having you on, Ryan. You got anything else to add before we? Uh, no, I just uh, I wanted to say thank you to Brian for being with us, and uh, you know, as always, let's coach with purpose. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. What a great podcast! Brian did an incredible job, and if you enjoyed that conversation, you enjoyed some of the things we discussed, and maybe you thought, "Man, I I need to figure out my why for coaching," but maybe you don't know where to start reach out to us. Check out our website, communityforcoaches.org. Go to the contact page and send Ryan or me or both of us an email and we would love to help you on your journey. So until next time, keep coaching with purpose.